ready to uh, dive in today. Today uh, is going to be a special day. We're going to continue on with our series that we have been doing called Blessed. Uh, a little funny story about last week when we kicked off this story, this series. Um, I put my all my notes together and all my slides together for the team back there, and I put it in Dropbox and let them upload it. Well, I didn't. I don't know. I, I must have been like really tired or something when I was making them because I never had this blessed slide. I had our old slide from our our uh, previous uh, series that we had done, and uh, and so when I was making the slides this time, I was scratching my head trying to figure out what I preached last week because I was like. Did I finish the Silver Lining series last week? You know, like, because that's what my slides said. And so then I was all confused. And, uh, and but then I was looking, I was like, no, I did preach Blessed Part 1. And uh, so we, we know that I have done that. So now I've fixed that. And so we got Blessed up there. Uh, that's the, what we're going to be talking about. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be in just a second. But because I did start blessed last week, we can take a second here now just to review what I did talk about since it wasn't the Silver Lining series that we finished up two weeks ago. So last week when we kicked off this series called Blessed, our bottom line was simply this, that being blessed is not about all of our stuff. But instead, more about the person that we're becoming, right? It's great to have stuff. Nothing wrong with having stuff. But that your stuff does not make you blessed, right? It is actually who you are becoming. What is God doing in you? And what is God doing through you? Those are the things that really make you blessed. Jesus saw the idea of being blessed much differently than we do here in our culture. And he shined light on that by giving us eight types of people that he calls blessed. And out of those eight types of people, not one of them made my list of being a blessed person, right? Because it was like poor, you know, those who mourn. It was, it was just these, these people that I would not consider to be blessed people. But Jesus says those are the people that are blessed. And so that was a very interesting idea to wrap our minds around. And it sort of gives us hope. Because no matter where we are in life, we can fall in to being blessed because it really is stepping into more of just him and just embracing him. So our weekly cue was this, to take an inventory of our attitudes and our actions and compare them to the attitudes and actions that Jesus highlighted in the Beatitudes. Okay, And so hopefully we took some time this week to do that, to just sort of take an inventory of our attitudes and our actions and say, man, does this align with those beatitudes and uh, and and that moves us into being a, in a place where we can actually be more blessed. So hopefully we did that. Uh, but let's get ready to jump into our text this week so that we can c- continue to look at some other ways that we can be blessed people. Uh, Philippians chapter one, and we're going to kick it off with verse three here, and we're going to read all the way through verse eleven. It says this: It says. I am thankful, this is Paul speaking, he says, I am thankful, my God, every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart and where whether I am in chains or defending and um, confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us today. Open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, and open our minds that we might understand, and then soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak, and give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action. God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word, God, we want to be doers, so help us to be your church. And everybody in this place said, amen, amen. Personality test. Have you ever taken a personality test? Anybody? I love those things. I don't know why, but I just like, I get geeked up. If I hear about a new one, I'm like, man, I'm all in. Let me take that. I I don't know. Maybe it's just who I am. I I just like, I think it's fun to learn about why I am the way that I am. Because I know I'm a little bit weird, right? You know, it's like there's something off with that guy. And so like I take all these tests, try to figure out myself and why I do the things that I do. And uh, you got the introvert and the extrovert, you know, and, and determining, you know, which side do you fall on? Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? Well, the, the tests that all the tests that I've taken have pointed me towards being an introvert. I am an introvert. And that might surprise you because on Sundays I turn on my extrovert and I try to get a little bit more like up and talking to people and all that kind of stuff. But if you ever attend a Thanksgiving with me or a Christmas where I had a family gathering, what you will notice is that I walk through the door and I have boom, my extrovert come out for a little while, but it wears off quite fast. And then the introvert comes out. I'm like, I gave all I could give. Now I'm off to the basement or some corner that I can find where it's just me and maybe my phone, maybe a TV where like hopefully we're sitting with people that actually watch the football game and don't talk during the football game. You know, like it's like, it's like, like, I need to find that place because I need to be alone with my own thoughts and my own, you know, just uh, refilling my tank, right? You know, like you got, you give and then you got to fill back up. And that's the sort of the way that I work. And one of the things that I was thinking about over Thanksgiving this time, you know, I got my extrovert out, I drained the tank, and now I was sort of in a place where it needed to be refilled back up. And I was just thinking. And uh, as I was thinking, I, I began to think about the blessing that comes out of our relationships, the blessing that comes out of our relationships, because a life only focused on ourselves, man, that would be a miserable life. Even as an introvert that likes being by himself, like if I was just inwardly focused all the time, and if I didn't have relationship, if I didn't have people in my life, man, it would be a lonely place to be because you would end up missing out on everything that's going around about you, right? Because the world actually thrives on relationships. It's what the world is sort of made up of. If you think about it, I mean, literally, the entire world, it revolves around relationships. Even if you don't take advantage of those relationships, you are surrounded by them every single day. You got your family, right? Your family is relationships. You got the family you live with, you got the extended family, at holidays, all these people, like, right? That, that is relationships, right? But then it goes farther than that. You got the place that you live, right? You live in your town home, you live in your apartment, you live in your house, you live wherever, you know, but like you're in a neighborhood, right? There is somebody who lives a few doors down, 
right? There's a house across the street. There's, there, there, is, there is a neighborhood that you're a part of. And believe it or not, you might not believe this, but he, because the garage door just goes up and then it goes down. But there are actually real human beings in that house, right? You know, it's like just because the garage door goes up and down, it doesn't mean that there isn't somebody there. There is somebody there. You got relationships at work, you know, people at work. You got school, you go to school, you got people there, you got, got a gym, you work out at a gym, there's people there, there there's these clubs that you join, and, the, and there's people there. There's, uh, there, there's church, our church, right? You know, church, there's, there's people there. The relationships are everywhere. You're driving down the road, right? There's a car next to you, but inside that car, right, is a human, right? Another human being. So there's, there, you know, I mean, maybe you don't have a relationship with that person, but you might pass them every single day on your commute, right? Like, and you just don't even realize it, you know? So there is technically even a relationship there as well, right? I mean, the list goes on and on for all the relationships that make up the world that we live in. And these are all made up with what? Real human beings, real people. Our entire lives are a web of relationships that exist or are waiting to exist in our life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is most of the time we take our relationships for granted. Most of the time we take our relationships for granted. We see these people as just being there, right? Or maybe we just don't pay attention to them, right? Because you just, you're like, I don't want to invite that drama into my life, right? And so, yeah, I know that there's a neighbor across the street. And yeah, I know that that is a gas station clerk behind the counter. Yeah, I know that's a bank teller that I see, you know, every so often. But the truth of the matter is, I don't want to know their names. I don't want to get to know them too much. Because I don't know if I want to give that kind of energy to those people, right? Or maybe it's not so much just about giving the energy. It's just you're scared, right? You're scared of the drama, right? And so we ignore them, right? We ignore them. We pretend that we don't see them. Or worse, even yet, we think that they're not even people at all. We just, they don't exist to me. I, I personally uh, have fell into this just the other day. It was, it was just a few weeks ago. I uh, went to the gas station, walked in, grabbed a couple things, and I found myself going up to pay, right? And I go up to the, the, the gas station clerk behind the counter there, and I sort of put my stuff on the counter. I just sort of walk up, boom, you know, and they said something to me I didn't really hear. And I, you know, and I pull out my card, and, you know, and I put it in, and I pay, and they say something, you know, and they, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm having a day, having a day, and I'm out. I don't know if it was a robot or a person because I realized I went through that whole exchange and I never looked them in the eye. I never engaged with them. I didn't want to engage with them. All I wanted was my stuff and I wanted out. And so here there was a real human being that I gave no energy to whatsoever. Matter of fact, I did more energy probably just to keep myself from giving any energy, right? Just because I was so intent on not making eye contact and I didn't even realize that I was doing it. I was just in my day doing my thing. And, and, and all of a sudden I realized what I had done when I got out into my vehicle. It's sad, but it's true. And we do it all the time. I don't think my doing that that day had anything to do with being introverted or extroverted. I don't. I think what I did that day happens to be more of a human condition, a human problem that we tend to all sometimes drift into. I mean, if you think about it, we don't always like to deal with people. And, and, and also, we, we get scared that 
if I do make eye contact, if I do acknowledge that they're human, then I actually might be invited into that drama. And so we push back because we know deep down and we've experienced it. You don't have to do life very long to learn this. But people are what? Complicated. They just are. And that matters to us here today because because today we're looking at those complicated relationships, those complicated people that actually might play a critical role to this whole idea of us being more blessed. And so if people can make us blessed... Well, then we got to figure out how to get through that, right? We, we, have to, we have to sort of wrestle with this maybe a little bit more than we want to, right? And so I think the, the best place is to stop and ask ourselves this question. How do we start to see people as the blessing that God sees them to be? Because God says all people are blessed or, you know, a blessing. Like he, he, he values every single one of them, right? And so how, how can we start to see people through his lens? How can we start to see people as a blessing that God sees that they could be in our lives? Now, the Bible is a, sort of a really cool book, right? Not sort of, it is. It's a really cool book. And it's, it's full of a whole bunch of things that let, literally shine light on the value of relationships, which is cool because that's one of the things that we value as a church, our relationships, right? And so, so that's, that's a pretty cool thing. But today I want to take a peek at this small little little text here in Philippians that oftentimes I think gets overlooked a little bit. As we dive into the book of Philippians, Philippians is a really cool little book because it's actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And Philippi is actually a real place, okay? Like all the places that Paul wrote to um, were real places, but a lot of those cities no longer exist. But, but Philippi is actually a city that is still around today. So if you ever travel over to Greece, you're going to be able to look up this Philippi place and say, hey, let's go take a day and let's go hit that place up and, and see what it's like. Now, I think this is cool because it is a real place. And Paul loved this place. Now, when, the reason why I think the text is cool is because of, of a couple things that Paul addresses in the text. When, when you read the text that we just got done reading, you see that Paul actually shows how much he values or how much value he placed on the church and every person in the church and, and every relationship that he had in this place. You see that sort of play out. You hear it in his language. Another cool thing about the text that we just got done reading or this letter that he wrote in Philippians is the fact that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. Okay, So it wasn't like he was just hanging out with them and just wrote them a little note while he was there with them. It wasn't like he was traveling somewhere and wrote them a note. No, he was actually locked up. He was in prison when he wrote this. And so I want to shine light on it again here a little bit. And I'm just going to highlight a few little verses that I want us to really listen to. And it says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. We already read it, but I want to hit it again. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now he's in prison, remember? He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, just skip over one verse uh, to verse 7. And it says this. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
Now, just for fun, let's look at one more little verse, just a few chapters forward in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the kind of verses that when you're reading through the Gospels, when you're re- reading through uh, the, the Bible or through the New Testament, when you're reading through these books of the Bible, these are the kind of verses that you come across and you're like, ah, just skip right over that, right? I mean, these are the kind of verses that you don't put too much stock into. Why? Because they don't really seem like they have that much weight to them. They don't really seem that important. And so we just sort of jump over them looking for the bigger takeaway. What's the big thing here that I can apply to my life? This just sounds a little bit too simple. And so we just read it really quickly and we go on with our day. But today I want to highlight these things because I do think that there's something hitting in here that we need to catch and that we need to pay attention to that that actually matters quite a bit. It's not, you know, this simple thing that doesn't have any merit or any, any meaning to it. These are people that Paul is writing to, and these are people that matter to Paul. They matter to Paul. They weren't just another stop on his journey around the world. They weren't, they weren't just a number to his church growth chart, right? These were people that mattered to him. You can hear it in the text. He saw these people as people that had value, tremendous value for simply just being human, right? That's what he valued. He valued these people. You don't often hear someone talk about people in this way. Think about it. Paul says that these people are his dear friends. A lot of people don't have dear friends. He says that these people are his joy, his crown. Like, who's, who says that, right? Who goes that deep in a relationship? And that makes me ask this question. What made the Philistines, or not the Philistines, the Philippians, what made the Philippians so special? What made them so special? Were, were they the perfect Christian that did no wrong, right? Did they treat Paul like royalty? Or maybe Paul wasn't really there long enough to really get to know the real them. You know, you know, people like that. You thought they were perfect and then you got to know them. You're like, whoa, you know, like there's those kind of people too. Maybe they were like that, right? I don't think that's the case, really. I, I, I think that that is not one of the reasons why Paul was actually writing them. I think the Philippians were normal people just like you and me. I really think that. I think that these people, at times, they were moody. I think at times, these people were prone to pick arguments with each other. I think these time, at times, maybe even a little bit of gossip creeped into the mix, right? These are real people. I also believe that Paul saw their best side, and also he saw their worst side. I think he saw the good, the bad, the ugly with them. I, I think that he still talked highly about them, though. You, you catch that? Even though he saw all those things, I believe he saw all those things. I still see him here talking highly about them because he believed that the relationships with them were his blessings. Paul felt blessed to be surrounded by great people. Life's greatest riches are found in the depths of our relationships. Paul understood this. He knew this and he had this. But how did Paul get to a place to have such deep relationships? Let's look at some of the things that he said here in the text that we a lot of times just sort of skip over. You see a couple things. One, you see that Paul said that he thinks of them often and he even thanks God for them. How cool is that? 
He thinks of them often and he thanks God for them. So we see that Paul was both thoughtful and thankful towards the people that were in his life. It is amazing to me how our our perspective changes when we focus our attention and our affection on the other person rather than on ourselves. Right? When we get off of ourselves and focus in on them and give a little of our thoughts and our attention and our affection, all of a sudden, perspective changed. 180. Like that. It's crazy, right? Another thing that you see that Paul did here in our text is he prays for them with Joy. Now, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time ever praying for one individual, a specific person. But I'm telling you that if you spend time praying for somebody, one individual, for a specific period of time, there's something deeply spiritual that will happen inside your heart for that person. Try it. Pick somebody. Begin to pray for them consistently over a while and something will happen. If you lift someone up in prayer over and over and over again, it's, I I was going to say almost impossible. I think it is impossible not to develop a deep sense of love and concern for that individual that you're praying for over and over and over again. Maybe that's why Jesus actually told us to pray for our enemies. Maybe. Probably. Another thing that we see that Paul does is he, he talks about how they were partners in spreading the gospel with him. There's a few, there, there's few things that will bond a group together faster than a common cause. Talked about this in our, our just sort of meeting before, before church with our, our dream team. Like man, having a common cause. There is something about having a common goal that makes us put our differences aside in order to accomplish something great. There is a value in each person being on our team. We see that and we celebrate that. To have relationships that turn into to a dream team, though, that, those kind of relationships, man, they take time to develop. And we see Paul address that as well. He talks about how they have been partners from the time they first believed until now. So this wasn't just something that happened overnight. In other words, it took some time. To truly know someone, you need to journey with them for a good period of time, right? You can't just be jumping in and out of relationships, going from this church to that church. Like it takes time to be with people and be in the relationship with them in order to truly know them, in order to get to that deep level of having a true dream team. One more thing that we see here that I think was the icing on the cake for Paul when it came to the relationships was Paul implied that they had been there for him. They had been there for him. Have you ever had someone be there for you in one of those moments? Man, there's sometimes where people are there for you when things are good, and it's like they're celebrating with you, and it's like, man, that's, that's fun. When you have somebody that gets excited with you, I mean, there are some people that when, when good things happen to you, they're like, wow, you know, like... You know, like they just rain on your parade, right? But there's other people, man, they celebrate those exciting things in your life and they come alongside you. But then there's times where, man, bad things happen and you're in a slump and all of a sudden there's somebody that comes in and they're they're there for you. And it's like a game, game changer. See, a mark of a true friend is the consistency of that friendship, right? 
You see that, that with the people that were in Paul's life. They were consistent in the good and in the bad. And that was a very special thing to Paul. So there's a lot here that's packed into these verses that oftentimes we just skip over, right? There's a lot. So what, what, what can we learn from it? What did we learn from it, right? Did we learn anything from what Paul was writing to his friends? How can we take what he said here, what he wrote here, and, and, and take it to heart and apply it to our own lives? How can we get intentional about building these kind of relationships? Well, what if we did this? What if we started seeing relationships as being sort of at the heart of everything that we do? Relationships, man, that's the, that's the heart of everything that I do. Every place that I go could be a place where I begin to form relationships. Because maybe, just maybe, God has actually put people in your path for a reason, right? Think about it. I think if you do that and start to see that and start to build that, you're going to see that God has put a lot more people than you think in your path. I think you'll be surprised at how many people he has put in your path for a reason. And I think there's a blessing that will come out of you engaging in those relationships. If we were to break this down and just try and make it really, really simple for us to hear this morning, I, I think we would just start by asking a few questions of ourselves. Like, who in my daily path have I taken for granted? Who do I just sort of see past? Just, I, I take them for granted. Well, to keep it simple, well, let's, now that we have identified the person, let's just notice them now. Start to notice them. Begin to be thoughtful towards that person in your head. Man, I appreciate what they did for me. I appreciate that they're there. I, I'm going to thank God for that person and for what they're doing in my life. Another thing that we could do is we could start praying for people, right? Just like Paul did. If we start praying for people, like normally when we pray, we like to pray about ourselves. God, give me, give me, give me, right? God, help me, help me, help me. You know, we like to pray about our things, right? But what if we twist, you know, turn that and say, no, I'm going to pray for them. What would happen if we began to pray for others more than we prayed for ourselves? I really think that it's impossible to pray for people consistently and not begin to value those people. So our value of that person, that value of that family, that value of our community, like, man, it just goes up. Even the value for our world as we pray for missionaries, right? Pray for people. Pray for people. People groups. There's people groups that sometimes we don't like because they move into our country, move into our neighborhoods, right? Pray for them. Pray for them. See what happens. See what happens when you begin to lift them up, right? Paul also saw potential in those people. He saw potential with them. Maybe we want to invite somebody. We see potential in them and we want to invite them to Timber's Church to be a part of our church, to be a part. Hey, why don't you come and help us start something new? There's something that we're starting. It's a new church in the community. And, and let's, let's invite people into joining the dream team and, and, and having a place where they could serve and be a part of accomplishing a common goal. I believe this. I believe that when we do that and we show people that, hey, 
we want you in our group. We don't want you just to come and attend. We actually want you to help be a part of this thing and get it up off the ground. Then all of a sudden we begin to love and appreciate each person that is on the team. Right? We've seen this here at Timbers, right? Because every person that joins our team, every person that serves, like 98% of the church at Timbers Church is all on the dream team. They do something. Like they, they have some part that they play in order to make this a great place. And what I believe and have come to see is that each person that joins our church, they all have different gifts, different talents and different personalities. And I love getting to learn things about them and experience those gifts and those talents and those personalities. And when one is missing like they are today, like, man, it's felt it's felt. But let's invite others to be a part of those teams. I am confident that if we do these suggested things, that we'll begin to experience what a blessing people will be in our lives. But that being said, man, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, does it? Because in fact, most of the time, if you stop and think about it, most of the time, what you're going to find is the biggest blessing that comes out of a relationship The biggest blessing that comes from a relationship is the relationship that actually requires the most work. Right? I mean, think about it. Your spouse. Right? There's very few blessings that come greater than a spouse. It's a beautiful thing. But if you want a happy spouse and you want to receive that blessing, then it takes work to keep that flame alive. Right? You think about kids. Man, what a blessing kids are. But let me tell you something. They are work. Oh, man, are they work. Brave crawls into my bed last night. He sleeps sideways. I wake up and I thought I was in an MMA fight. Like, he just kicks me all night. Boom, boom, boom. Spent two hours poking his ear, or his his finger in my ear. I was like, dude, kid, listen. Like, come on. I got to wake up here in just a few minutes. Let me get five minutes of real sleep. Man, kids, they're work, but man, they're a blessing, right? Your friends, your greatest friends, the close friends, the ones that bless you the most, man, they take work because you have to text them. You have to call them. You have to hang out with them. If you don't invest in those relationships, then the blessing's not the same, right? You have to be consistent and cultivate a community that will truly become the blessing in your life. You have to put the time in. You have to put the work in in order to get that kind of community. And I know this is a lot. And Reed, you can come up. We're going to get ready to close. I know this is a lot to give. Really, I I, I do. But I want to give one last thing. One last thing that we could work into our lives here from the text that we see Paul said. Is we can learn the art of simply being there for someone else. Because there's an art to it. There's an art to just simply being there for someone else. In the good and in the bad. Celebrating the celebrating and then mourning when they mourn. Right? Those are things that we can learn how to do and do better. Remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. But the Philippians were there for him. Who needs your support? Who needs your support? Answer that question. Who needs your support? Be that person's friend, right? Be there for them. Love that person at all times. Not just in the times that it's easy and convenient, but in the times that it's sometimes not. 
And I promise you this, that if you do, and if you're there for that person in the good and in the bad, that as you're a faithful friend, as you're faithful to that relationship, your faithfulness will come back and reward you tenfold. I've watched many people not be faithful. And then in their times of need, very few people rally around. And I have people that I've watched that are some of the most faithful friends that you could ever ask for. And I've watched them go into times of great, 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 great need. And the last thing they would ever ask for is somebody to come to their rescue or their need. And I've watched the masses come to stand by them. And it just made me smile because I knew how this person affected all those people. Your faithfulness to a friend will come back and reward you tenfold. There is a blessing that comes from being faithful to our relationships. And as we close today, there is no relationship greater than the relationship that we have with Christ Jesus. And I know we know that, and I know we get that. But that's why we have to also share that relationship with others. That's why we, every week, we highlight that in the end of the message, so that others can experience that relationship first and foremost. But for us here today, we want to give a cue, a weekly cue that we can put into action. As I was preparing this, I got a little bit worried that maybe there is too much that we highlighted on. This simple little text, right? The simple little text that we overlook all the time. And then I'm just boom, 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 pulling all this stuff out. And I'm like, man, there's just too much here. We're going to feel overwhelmed. How do we do all that, right? But maybe we could just start with a few questions. Asking ourselves, where does this fit with me? Do I feel like I'm on track with a community that brings me a blessing? Or do I need to maybe change the way that I see the people that surround me? Because the truth of the matter is everywhere you go, not just here, but everywhere, there is a community. And usually when you don't feel the blessing in one of those communities, it's usually because we're seeing people the wrong way. How could we maybe shift our outlook to see them as human, to see them more as people that are in need of a savior, that are in need of a relationship with others? And how maybe could I meet that need? Because as we meet the need, then there's a blessing that flows out of that. We become more blessed. I believe our world would be a completely different place if people, if everyone in it, would begin to execute and put action to what we talked about today. But it starts with a few. And if we could be the few that it starts with, I believe that we could transform the community of Rogers. We could transform the state of Minnesota. We could have something that could start here that could trickle literally around the world. So our cue is going to be this. Let's realize the blessing all people can be in our life and let's begin building those relationships 
Let's realize the blessing that all people can be in our life. And let's begin to build those relationships. I promise you this. If you do that, you'll be glad that you did. Let's just take a moment and let's just reflect on that. And then I'll come up and I'll close this out here in just a second.